Ugly. Chapter 2. Left Behind. As soon as I arrived at the intensive care ward, doctors started lots of medical tests. They attached me to machines to check my breathing and my heart rate. They poked and prodded my body to f- try to find out if all my internal organs were where they should be. Then they started trying to work out if I could see and hear, and if my brain was damaged. One thing they rushed to discover was whether my deformities were blocking the flow of fluids that help cushion the spine and brain. If that happened, my head would swell up like a balloon, and I would die in a few days. There would be no way of fixing it. Doctors at the hospital answered most of those questions quickly. There were no problems with my heart or lungs or other internal organs that they could see. All my mysteries were written on the outside of my body. Why did I have a massive tumor squished across my face? Why were my legs deformed? Would I be able to walk? I was also the subject of a lot of questions people were asking my mother. Everyone wanted to know when she would come and see me. Every time she was asked if she wanted to leave the mother's ward to go see her baby in intensive care, her answer was the same. No. I wish she would go away or die or something, Mom explained later when she started writing some of her thoughts down. Worse than that, Mom had decided she wanted to leave me in the hospital. I just wanted to be finished with it all, she said. I told the hospital staff I didn't want my baby. I wouldn't under any circumstances take it home. There were other normal kids at home to think about, after all. My brothers and sisters. Dad was at home looking after them. Michael was just four days away from turning 10 when I was born. Gary was eight, Paula seven, and Catherine four. Dad told me them about me. The new baby is a boy, he said, but he has some health problems and may not live long. They asked what was wrong with me. He's got problems with his face and his legs are small and not properly formed, Dad said. But he is only a baby yet and they will grow, Michael said. That's not how it works, Michael, Dad told him. After I'd been in the intensive care ward for about a week, one of the doctors visiting mom sensed something different about the way she was feeling. The doctor asked if my mother, my mother, if she would finally like to see her baby. Mom knew there was something terribly wrong with me. Until she saw me, though, the pain and grief only needed to exist in her mind. Her feelings were real enough, but with an unseen, distant cause. If she pretended I didn't exist, maybe those bad feelings would just go away. But before she thought it through, mom said yes, she'd go to see me. Together, she and the doctor walked to my ward. Mom slowed down as she got closer and closer, not knowing exactly what to expect. The doctors and my dad had described me to her, but she still hadn't seen me with her own eyes, not even a photograph. She walked into my ward and saw other normal-looking babies in their small cots. The doctor guided my mother over to where I was. My mother looked down on me for the first time and saw the large tumor that had robbed her of a baby's perfection. She saw my two widely spread eyes and my splayed nostrils. She saw my deformed legs and bent toes. Mom looked at me again and decided she did not care about her son, about me. I didn't feel anything for this baby, she wrote in her diary. I had shut off completely. I had made up my mind and I was not taking him home. She packed her bags and left the hospital without me. I had my first operation when I was five days old. Surgeon Lee Atkinson operated to see what was behind the tumor that had caused so many problems with my face. Afterward, he told my parents my brain seemed okay and I should have a normal lifespan. Medical staff then began to tell mom about advances in surgical procedures. There's so much more that can be done these days, a nurse told her. We can do a lot to help fix Robert, another surgeon said. They were not the words a mother who had just given birth wanted to hear. Mom began phoning anyone she thought might help her refuse to take me. She called her member of the parliament and then her local doctor. The doctor's advice was very clear. Put him into a home, the doctor said. You have four other children and it's just not worth it. She asked whether he could make that sort of judgment without having seen me. Yes, he said. No doubt he would be better off in a home. Don't even consider bringing him home. Just forget him. 
My father figured mom should be the one to decide since she'd been looking after me the most. You'll have my full support whatever decision you make, dad said. The hospital made an appointment for mom to meet with a social worker and discuss the situation. Mom didn't show up. I remained in the hospital unwanted and unloved. Mom started to visit more often, but she was still terribly unhappy and couldn't bring herself to take me home. One day, after a visit, she cried and told her sister a moment of desperation and honesty. He is so ugly. 